Today, Michael Lang will be uh, bringing the word, and I wanted to take a moment and um, introduce not so much the message, but um, or Michael, because we all know him and love him, but um, to mention something vision-wise, um, if you've been here for the last few Shabbatot, the last few weeks, you will know that um, the theme of the sermons has been building an equipping center, um, learning to work together to build God's house, first of all spiritually and then as God provides physically, and that part of the theme has been how do we become equipped to serve the Lord um, because God has called each one of us to serve him amen you're not sure amen and God has gifted each one of us for his service in different capacities and that's our heart and has been our vision from the very beginning. And personally, part of my heart has been uh, the prayer to, to ask and wait on God for him to raise up other teachers of the word of God, uh, particularly men and women who would proclaim the word of God. Why? Because the Word of God, folks, has to grow and increase. It has to increase in us, within us, as a mishpacha, as a congregation. Then it has to spread outward. That's God's heart. That God, it's God's will. And so I've been delighted over the last couple of years to see God doing that uh, with Rabbi David and uh, with Dr. Delaire, Alain Delaire, and with Michael. Michael Lang, who's one of our elders, and today he's preaching for the first time. And Michael, I want to pray for you, and uh, so if you would um, come, and we'll take a moment to pray. Over here. Uh, always, always by the grace of God. Thank you, Lord God, for this precious man of God that you have formed and fashioned. And uh, thank you, Lord, for the authority and the anointing from your Ruach that you have given him and the holy chutzpah, the boldness, Lord God, to walk in that authority. And so, Lord God, we pray for the anointing from your spirit in the proclamation of your word. We pray, Lord God, what comes forth will be, above all, your word. And we ask, Lord God, for us who are the listeners, that you will give us ears to hear and hearts that are receptive to hear your word and to receive it gladly so that we would be transformed by it. And, Lord, that's our desire, is to be shaped and fashioned into your image. We ask this, Lord, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. 
Amen. And actually, do we have someone that can read the text this morning? Open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and it's verses 1 through 8. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for, king, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Yeshua the Messiah, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Messiah and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Well, I'll try not to ask too many questions in which you'll need to nod your head or shake your head. <laughs> I, I know David, David made a point to make that point last week, and, and I've entitled uh, the sermon today, Did You Hear? We're Praying. We're All Praying. And in America, a survey shows that 82% of us are praying. 82% of Americans are praying. And that is over the whole scope of, of not just Christians, but everyone. And, and it's kind of interesting to hear some of the things people pray about. Our, our politicians and our leaders, 12% of us pray for them. Celebrities, the guys that maybe are most important to some of us, they only get about 5%. Um, 7%, pray for parking spots. <laughs> I don't have that problem. RTD takes care of my transportation. And uh, so um, one of these that was also interesting, 5% pray for others to be fired from jobs. 7% ask that they would not be caught speeding. Okay. Uh, 13% pray for sports teams, and the Rockies surely need it. 21% pray to win the lottery, the things that are important. 15% uh, also, and this is really sad, they pray that something they've done will not be discovered. That's really sad. Seriously, though, um, Stanley J. Grins he puts a very good challenge out when he wrote this. The greatest challenge facing the body of Yeshua the Messiah today, and therefore every local congregation, is motivating the people of God to engage in sincere, honest, fervent prayer. We must not only pray, we must also reflect on the nature of, and the working of prayer. As we do so, we discover that ultimately all prayer is a cry for the kingdom. When we come to comprehend this basic truth, 
regarding prayer, we are better equipped to be effective prayers for the kingdom of God. Something that we need to look at as a challenge to each of us. And, you know, on that note of parking and, and transportation, for a while, um, Wednesday night, we were having to come with Accessoride, and we were uh, blessed at times to get these wonderful foreign cab drivers. And I can tell you so many experiences, but it's interesting that prayer was always in the forefront. One of the drivers actually insisted, since the sun was setting, that it, would it be okay for him to stop and pray, to take out his mat from the back trunk. Another one heard we were talking about going to prayer meeting, and he said, so how many times do you pray? How many times do you pray each day? And I really had to stop and think about it and say, well, uh, you may be surprised, but as often as my God tells me to, as often as the Lord tells you to, you should be ready to pray. Not just at meals or bedtime and in the morning, but it should be something that becomes a second nature to us. And picking up on that idea that Rabbi Haim shared about as our vision, our vision of prayer, we've been looking at the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah chapter 4, one of the interesting things that took place is that people had several assignments they had to accomplish. Many times they would be working and building, and yet at the same time, or carrying a big load, what did it say they had? They had a sword strapped to their side. They were equipped with weapons and were ready to fight. And I think that's something that God wants to challenge us with. Are we ready to pray in the same way? There's definitely lots of things that have to get done in this congregation and in our lives, but we have to be ready to take up prayer just like we would if it was a weapon, because it is a weapon in God's army. It's a powerful weapon that we need to be ready to take up and use. And so we want to be fully equipped. Every area that we've been sharing, all these areas of visionary sharing like evangelism and giving and being students of the word, every single one has to be undergirded with prayer. It's a very important thing because if we don't have that prayer undergirding us, we're only going to be doing things in the flesh. We're only going to be doing things by our own strength. And so God wants to challenge us to pray about everything we're doing. And so there's a number of things that uh, I, I think that challenge us about prayer. You know, there's a number of, of issues that, that we might ask ourselves, why aren't we praying? Or why don't we have a need to, to pray together? Because I want to encourage us, the, the main two things I want to address in this talk is praying in unity and praying corporately. These are two things that we really have to get a firm hold of. Part of the corporate thing is that God wants to bless us when we show up here, when we're together. And if we're not here, we can't partake of those blessings. It's that simple. We have to be here. We have to show up, and we have to be ready to be a part of what God does corporately. It's such a vital part of who we are and how we grow in the Lord. And the other side of that is learning to pray with unity, which I'll get into a little later. And when we look at the different individuals throughout Scripture, Abraham, Moses, David, Nehemiah, uh, 
Shaul, Peter, many of them prayed, and Yeshua as well. They had very strong anointings on a life of prayer. But I'm curious, do you know who said this prayer? This is an interesting prayer I want to read. You've made heaven, earth, the sea, and everything in it. By the Ruach HaKodesh, the mouth of your of our father David, your servant, you said, why did the nations rage and the peoples devise useless plans? The kings of the earth take gathered themselves together and the rulers assemble against Adonai and against his Messiah. This has come true in this city since Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Goyim and the peoples of Israel all assembled against your holy servant Yeshua, whom you made Messiah to do what your power and plan had already determined beforehand. Shall happen. So now, Lord, take note of their threats and enable your slaves to speak your message with boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to and do signs and miracles through the name of your holy servant, Yeshua. Does anyone know who said this type of prayer? And it's kind of interesting because it doesn't have a credit. It doesn't say this was Peter. It just says this was a prayer that the disciples spoke. The disciples spoke this prayer. It was a corporate prayer. No one got credit for it at all. And it's a corporate prayer that people made together. And they said, and, and th listen to the results of this prayer. This is what's really incredible. While they were still praying, the, in the place where they were gathered, there was, it was shaken. They were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, and they spoke God's message with boldness. All the many believers had, were one in heart and soul, and no one claimed any of his possessions for himself. But everyone shared everything they had. So this is kind of a, a this is taking place from Acts chapter 4. It's an interesting, that's a prayer meeting I would have wanted to be a part of. To think that the place was shaken because of their prayers. The place was shaken. And that's great on the, on the one thing, but look at also the fact that they were filled with boldness. They were filled with the Spirit to speak God's message. And that's part of what we see in our text this morning because the need to speak the message of salvation is front and center on Paul's mind when he gives this uh, instruction to Timothy. He talks about that none, that, that God's desire is not that the wicked person should die but that he should turn from his sin and come to God. And I know that's, that's right out of Ezekiel that Paul is talking about here, this idea of people turning from sin and coming to God. And that's something that we all need to come to the Lord with when we pray, is we need to seek that measure of cleansing. None of us ever has been fully clean 
And we, we live in a world where we get in contact with sin. So why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? There are a number of reasons, I think, that challenge us and ask us, why don't we pray? First and foremost, I think one of the things is we're people that have senses. What we see, what we hear, what we feel, these things call to us. You know, even, in, even among young children, they can't even wait to pray before eating sometimes. It's a struggle. We got to the point in our own family that we, we said, we're going to serve and bring the food to the table after we pray. So it's not a distraction to, to you. We want you to focus that this time is to honor the Lord and thank him. Sometimes it's the smell of the coffee or the pressures of the day that draw us away. All of our senses get engaged, and we don't take the time to just simply recognize the Lord and what he wants to do with our day. It's just a simple few minutes that we want to take and, and seek the Lord. And, it's, and, and truly, the disciples say it too, because they said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's true of all of us. We also have an inability. We, we look at our own ability to do things, and we look at what God is calling us to do. And I don't think we always believe that God can use us to pray. We think, um, you know, I'm a sinner. I'm not a good prayer. I don't know how the, to speak the words. I don't know what to do. And it's really not about ability. It's really about availability. God's always interested in using people who are willing and able, but he wants to use you as you're available too. A lot of us sometimes think someone else will do it. You know, our congregation's great. We have two rabbis. One of them has to be praying. It's his job to pray, right? Isn't it just the rabbi's job to pray? So he's got it covered. He doesn't need me to pray. He's gone to seminary. He knows how to pray better than I do. And I think sometimes we think in terms of that. The rabbi, it's the rabbi's job to pray, not my job, not my job. And so we don't take an ownership of what we need to do. I know all of us have things that we want to do and have to do. You know, we have to go here and go there. We have to uh, do things for the family. We have to fix things. So many times what we do takes that emphasis of stopping and praying, what we need to get done. And I know even this at times, and I know a lot of people don't necessarily believe this way, and they're bothered by this statement, God helps those who help themselves. But even if we don't say we believe it, maybe we act that way. We act by default that way because we see that what we need to get done is really more important than maybe doing what God's calling us to do. Then there's the question of time. We all have the same amount of time, we think. On some level, we think, I have the same amount of I know how many t hours there are in a day, but most of us spend one-third of our day working. Some of us that can spend one-third of our day sleeping. So that leaves just one-third left. And most Americans only take five minutes to pray or do anything connected with religion. That's less than 2% of the other eight hours. So all these things are kind of wanting to challenge us. But the fact it all comes back to self. We are really consumed with ourselves. What's going on with me? We have a world that emphasizes the, the self and the need for self to get things done and be all about us. 
And, and this is something that I think is really sad, uh, this idea of taking a selfie. <laughs> Some people will spend more time with the whole thing of a selfie, taking it, posting it. Then I've got to make this wonderful comment about it. What was I doing? And they may take even more than five minutes to do that than to pray. And so it's all about the self. And, and in our text, we're reminded where, where it says, he gave himself a ransom for our sins. He gave himself a ransom. And part of that picture is in the word ransom. We read about that in Mark chapter 10, where Yeshua says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That picture of ransom is the picture of substitution, that we substitute or we exchange for what we had. As it, we talked about in this responsive reading, those that renew their strength is what many translate, but the idea is exchanging, exchanging their strength. And Yeshua was in exchange for us because we need to understand that is a model, that our self has to take a second step back. So starting in our text, Paul makes it very clear that prayer is to be first of all. The Greek word here is the word protone, the protone. And it has this emphasis on being first in rank, first in place. And that's where prayer is to be. It has to be a priority in our lives. And I know for some of us, we make it a priority. But I know for others, it's a challenge. There's all kinds of things, as I've already mentioned. And I say to you, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to help you. Tell him, wake me up earlier. I want to pray. Order my steps. Help me discern what I'm doing with my time so that I can come before your throne and do your kingdom work. Everyone has to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto us. Such a huge thing to stop and make the Lord's priorities our priorities. So Shaul, or Paul, he gives the next piece. He shows a pattern of what our prayer should contain. And there are four different things that Tracy read. Uh, there are supplications, as she put it. And these are simply petitions or requests. These are the things that we need, okay? They're, they're a part of our prayer life. The Lord tells us to ask for what we need. Then there's the spoken prayers. In this sense, when it just says prayer here, it's talking about prayers that are spoken orally. They might be prayers of scripture. They might be prayers of worship. Worship is a huge part of coming before the Lord. And then there's the intercession. And Floyd touched on that. That is bringing people to the Lord and saying, let's have a conference. Let's pray for, let's pray for Floyd, you know. He's a good guy, and we love him, and he needs lots of chesed. And then there's the fourth part, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, is making statements of gratitude. And a lot of times we call that Baruch Hashem's, what the Lord, what we have to bless his name for. These are wonderful things that we have to do. Unfortunately, most of us get the first part and the, the last one, the needs and the thanksgiving. Because a lot of us want God's blessing in what we do. And so some of the times we look at that kind of a prayer as a pixie dust prayer. Lord, bless what I'm doing. Thank you for what you are doing for me. 
And I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize that. That is something God wants to hear. He wants to hear our thanks. But uh, many times, I think it, we need to be challenged to go deeper in that area. We need to go deeper. Many of us learn to thank the Lord at the dinner table, maybe. Maybe we first had that exposure to prayer, and we understood that. And we got in a formula of saying maybe the same words, you know. And I think God isn't against those type of things, but he just wants us to challenge to to go deeper and to go beyond that. Because we can get in that rut, and then it starts to lose its heartfelt. It starts to lose our heartfelt if we just are saying words and our mind or our heart is somewhere else. Now, the opposite ditch is the fireman's prayer. Help! I have an X crisis, and I need you to move right now. That's, that's a prayer I think we all know and maybe have said. And I'm not going to say that the Lord doesn't want to hear those prayers. But we have to understand if we make that the focus all the time of what we bring to the Lord, he just becomes a glorified waiter. Do we want the Lord just give me, give me, give me, give me, give me? And so we have to incorporate all these aspects of, of not just giving our needs and bringing our thanks, but we have to learn how to include worship. We have to learn how to include um, intercession. These are tough skills to sometimes think. And, and I want to just, you know, let you know, this isn't to beat up on anybody. We all struggle in this area. I've got four fingers pointing back at me when I say these things because I'm, I'm no different than anyone else. Just because I'm blind and I don't see, that doesn't mean I still don't have areas that need to come under God's ruling and God's will. And it is a, it is a process that we need to look at and to give ourselves to. And I know I've kind of been focusing a little bit on the negative, but there's also a positive, and that's where worship comes in. Worship is so important because God has to be oriented again front and center. We have to reorient and make it a challenge to reorient ourselves back to the Lord. We get into a rut of our life. We come in contact with profane things, and we have to come back and say, God, help me to focus on you. Help me to make you the center. And part of worship is two basics, learning to celebrate who the Lord is. Do you know who the Lord is? Do you know that he's the redeemer? Do you know that he's the healer, the healer, the lover of our soul? These are things that we want to look at and, and think about when we come before him. And this is where we can sing and praise him as well as read his scripture to back to him. Because it's something that gets our eyes focused off ourselves. And then the second part of that, because this has to take place in our corporate worship. Our corporate worship, we have to help each other come back and say, let's stop thinking about our week and focus about what the Lord's doing. And so that's the second part of praise, learning to focus on what the Lord is doing, what the Lord has done in your life. That's really, in essence, what worship is about, learning to reorient ourselves. And then it's bringing people to the Lord, the intercession part. It's a huge piece It takes a number of skills. And praying, I believe, is a skill that we can sharpen and make effective, but it's also something the Lord has to work into us. The Lord has to give us a heart of compassion for people. 
And it starts with just listening. Just like Rabbi David talked about a couple weeks ago, we have to be willing to listen. And that's a big skill when it comes to our prayer time. Many times we're so focused on what we want to say, what we want done, that we forget to stop and listen to what the Lord wants to speak to us. The Lord wants to speak to us in the midst of our prayer times. And we have to not only listen, but expect to hear him. We have to come with expectation. God is going to speak to us. He wants to tell us about his wonderful promises. He wants to encourage our heart. He wants to heal us. He may even want to show us our sin. And so each of these come into play. And as we bring people to the Lord corporately, it's important to look at that idea of salvation. We have people that we're constantly knocking on the Lord's door for. That Paul talks about that, that idea of salvation. Salvation has to come forth as we pray. And not just for us, but for kings and leaders and those who are in authority. Barack Obama and our other leaders in Congress and in the Supreme Court need prayer, need a lot of prayer. And so we need to push in and pray for them as Paul's talking about in the scripture. We have to be willing. We have to raise that 12% of praying for our leaders. And I want to encourage you also pray for the leaders here. They have full plates. They wear a number of hats. They do much during the week that you all don't see. And I, I, we all covet your prayers, not just David and Heim, but myself and the Zims and the Grants. Each of us works very hard and joy and miss Joe to do the things that happen each year, each week. And so we ask that you make it a commitment to pray for us as leaders. We need much wisdom. We need to know how to shepherd the Lord's flock. It's not an easy job, and our plates are full, and so we need that prayer. We are under his authority. It's a position we take seriously and soberly because the Lord will hold us accountable for the decisions we make as leaders. So pray for us on a daily basis. Pray for the leaders of, this, of your, your government, for those that are in the civil, state, and national government. They need your prayer. When Paul brings this idea up, part of the picture is if they didn't have favor from the Roman Empire, they could be dead. And that's kind of a, a, a point that I think we're so removed from in Scripture that, you know, it's important to have the favor of the, of the emperor. It's important to have the favor of kings. These people held the ability of life and death. And so... I know that's kind of something that we're removed from, but it is something that is prevalent in Scripture, prevalent in the New Testament. And so God wants to endow us with much favor to, to, in this idea of shepherding and working with the Lord. Praying in unity. This is important for several reasons. And Paul brings it up in this text um, he, he's quoting kind of the Shema here. I don't know if you understand that. When he says, for there is one God. That's what the Shema is all about. The one God. And for Jewish people, the one mediator. That was something 
that was clearly understood because they had that picture, that model of the high priest in the temple. They knew what the one mediator looked like. And so in the, in the latter part of this passage, he focuses on that particular issue, the, the, one, the one God, the one mediator. And you know why that was such a big deal? Because a lot of folks had problems with the Gentiles. How did the Gentiles fit into all this? And that's why Paul makes it a point to restate his apostleship here. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. God elected me an apostle to the Gentiles. This is part of what he's trying to get forth because this was an issue today. And for us, it's a little bit different. We have to learn to be patient with each other. I know I'm not saying anything new here when have your bunions been stepped on? Have you had problems at times with folks? Do you, is it hard to be patient? Have your buttons been pressed? I can guarantee you if they haven't, they will be. And part of the picture that we need to look at when we pray is we have to learn to pray, not that God would change them all the time, but that God would change us. Sometimes it's about us. But unfortunately, when it comes to praying biblically, like praying for our enemies, praying for people to forgive, it's only about one-third of us that really labor to do that. It's hard work. It's hard work. And it's impossible to do without the Lord's help. And that's why we need to pray. We need to learn to pray for those that we struggle with, our adversaries and our enemies. We need to learn to pray and ask the Lord to help us forgive. Forgiving is a big, big deal to the Lord. He has a zero tolerance when it comes to forgiveness. We have to be willing to forgive each other. It's just the way it is. I wish it was easier. I sometimes struggle with it, you know, in my own life, in my own heart. But these ideas of reconciliation and forgiveness have to happen. How can we pray if we have problems with the people that are around us? Because the, the Lord tells us in his prayer, forgive those who have hurt you, right? Forgive those who have sinned against you. Otherwise, he won't forgive us. I, 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 he says it very clearly in Matthew twice. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I know some of us know that back and forth. But the next part that's even stronger says, but if you do not forgive your brother's sins, then my Father in heaven will not forgive you either. Same passage, just down a little further. These are in Matthew chapter 6. And so it's important. And so in the end here, Paul begins to talk to, to both men and women separately. And I think it's important to both address these issues of men and women. And, and, and I know it's kind of um, confusing at times when we look at this whole text, trying to get everything we can out of it. But the men part, the idea of lifting up holy hands. You know what that's about? Surrender. Surrender. Just like we see on TV. Hands up. You know, it's that idea that we surrender our life to the Lord. We don't give ourselves over to the easier things like anger or doubting or our fear or arguing. Because God has endowed men 
with that strength. They are strong individuals, the brute strength. And he's given us that ability to reason. And sometimes we make it about those things. No, that can't be right. That can't be right. I'm going to argue this out till I win. Or if I can't do it, I'm going to force it. So that way I, it will happen. And, and I want to challenge us men. We have to need, we need men prayers. We need more men to step up to the plate and pray. Men's Havara, come tomorrow. That's part of men's Havara is prayer. It's another corporate opportunity for men to pray and seek the Lord. Now, the women, on the other hand, I know for a lot of women, that idea of prayer comes easier. But what Paul's saying here is not to put them down. A lot of people have taken this uh, passage and have used it to beat up on women. Don't wear pearls. Don't wear braided hair. Don't wear nice clothes. And it's really not about these things. It's really about focus. What's your focus on? Are you coming saying, look at me? Is that your focus when you come? But it's to be about things that aren't distracting us. And so that there's not a distraction, we need to learn to be humble, all of us, when we come before the Lord. We don't want to distract each other in coming before the Lord. So one of the great things about prayer is the peace peace that comes forth and Paul makes reference to that peace peace has to come about he uses two different Greek words to talk about that peace peace inwardly and outwardly it has to be a peace that we have in our lives that we know the Lord and we can be still before him you know how to be still and give it to the Lord and let him have it and not take it back it's a challenge, but pray, because it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, for this is what you were called for. Peace has to come in our hearts, and has to rule in our hearts. It's a big piece of the puzzle, the inner peace, and then the outer peace, which we've talked about, learning to get along with each other, learning to forgive each other, learning to see that everyone's on a different path, at a different level, at a different timing, the Lord will give the increase because we want our prayers to be holy and acceptable to him. That's really what it's about. We don't pray in or for no reason. We want our prayers to be acceptable. We want our prayers to come to the Lord. And we want to have that, that blessing as we pray for each other, as we learn to pray. And so I, I ask that you just start learning to invite the Lord. The Lord is not the type of man that likes to force his way in. You've got to invite him and say, here I am. You've got to learn to pray persistently, knocking in, on his door, knocking and seeking and asking, and keep knocking and seeking and asking, just like Jacob did with the angel, not willing to let him go. That's, the, that's a part of the things of prayer that we need to be engaged in. A lot of people look at prayer and they say, uh, that's the thing that we do before we get ready to do all the ministries. But prayer is really a ministry. It's a ministry of listening and bringing people to the Lord. I'm glad someone did it for me. And I believe everyone here was prayed on some level to be brought into his kingdom. Or is being prayed for to be brought into his kingdom. And so I pray that that's a, 
challenge to us because a lot of times we come to prayer and we think, uh, I guess that's all we can do, huh? That's all we can do is pray. But it should be, that's the most we can do is pray. That's the most we can do. So Lord, I pray for each and every one here today. I pray that you'd speak to them about their prayer life. We can all pray more, Lord. We all need to be challenged. And Lord, it's not just one bony finger toward them, but it's all toward all of us. We need to learn to work. We need to have those sharpened senses. We need to have those skills of learning to pray for each other. And I pray that as people hear this vision, they'll go toward it, Lord. This is a visionary message. Help them catch it, Lord, like a common cold. Help them catch this vision of prayer. And we give you all the glory and honor in Yeshua's name. I believe we'll, Rabbi Haim may want a few more words, or uh, we will have a time of worship before we're dismissed and do the Kaddish. Thank you, Michael. Emphasis on very few. Thank you for that wonderful word. Um, I truly believe that each one of us has been challenged. And let me ju just add that sometimes we come and we pray having horrible perspective about who God is. And our prayers are hindered because we don't understand that we're coming to our loving Father. That he's eager to have us come. That he understands our limitations. And that if our prayers are not perfect, he can sort it out. He can sort it out. And so let me, uh, along with Michael, Encourage each one of us to arm yourself with holy chutzpah and say, Lord, uh, I'm not big heap prayer intercessor kind of a person. Uh, I want to learn. I want to learn. And would you please teach me? 